Hello brothers, sisters and friends at Bexley Heath. I've been really looking forward to sharing God's word with you in person. However, due to the time we're living in, I'm having to resort to preaching from my own study. We praise God that his word is still not bound and we look forward to meeting face to face all the more in the future. We will focus on Galatians 4, 12 to 20. Rachel, my wife, will read from verse 8. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I may have laboured over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that, if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you. My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Nearly four years ago, Charlie Gard was born with a rare genetic disorder. His tragic case drew worldwide attention. While the medical staff believed that they had to turn off his life support machines, his parents sought to do everything to keep him alive as they sought pioneering treatment. Around the world, people were moved by their refusal to give up and to even fight in the Supreme Court for the life of their son. You see, true love relentlessly pursues life and growth. We know this is to be true. For we always fight for that which we value. We fight for those to whom we love. That same kind of passion and relentless love is seen here in Galatians 4, 12 to 20, which we'll be focusing on this morning. We are able to listen in on Paul pleading with the churches in Galatia. Here he lays bare his heart, and speaks tenderly, yet firmly with them. He is like a, a parent seeking to win back his wayward child. Though they had started well, they were being influenced by false teachers. They were in danger of turning to another gospel, which was really no gospel at all. Paul is fighting for their very spiritual life and growth. He is refusing to give up on them. And so we have here an apostle modelling what pastoral care looks like in practice. 
The word pastoral speaks of feeding and caring for sheep. Most organisations would have a pastoral care policy. This is especially true of schools. There, the pastoral workers are concerned about the physical and mental and emotional health of their students. So this passage helps us to value not only our walk with the Lord, but also the care that we are showing others. Do we have a pastoral concern for others? And the church today needs to hear this. We are living in times of social distancing, where we have to stay apart. But I believe that we've been practising spiritual social distancing for years. You know, we may pray that others grow, and yet we can do so little to challenge and to fight for the life and growth of others. We can be in our own little world and be blissfully ignorant that others are stalling or drifting in their spiritual walk. At the same time, we can become irritated if someone dares to challenge us. We can get annoyed if someone starts to be concerned because they see that we are struggling. Who do they think they are? We might mutter under our breaths. Throughout Paul's letter, his big message is that we are counted as God's children through faith in Christ alone. Here, he drives this truth home through his relationship with them to help them see what they already have. And as we walk through these verses together this morning, we will see that pastoral love relentlessly pursues growth in Christ. He shows them, firstly, that all was not well. Verse 12 to 16. We see that they were not living as they should be. Look at the beginning of verse 12. They had to become as I am. These false teachers were putting pressure on these churches to live as if they were under the Jewish law. Specifically, they were telling them that they did not truly belong to God's people unless the males were circumcised. They were in effect saying that faith in Christ was good, but what really counts was living under the Jewish law. It was faith plus. Paul's whole purpose, therefore, of writing is to show the sufficiency and the richness of the gospel. In chapter 4, verses 1 to 11, he shows them that Christ had set them free from slavery and that they now truly know God and are known by him. They are God's children and they should enjoy the freedom that he brings rather than living as if they were enslaved under the Jewish law. In fact, these churches were slipping back to their pagan attitudes and practices of the past, think, thinking that they could win God's favour. Therefore, Paul boldly tells them to become as I am, for I also have become as you are. Paul, as a Jew, knew from experience that the Jewish law could not bring life or freedom. In a sense, Paul had, to, Paul had become like a Gentile by living free from the Jewish law. Paul had found freedom in Christ as they had. 
And so Paul urged them to become like him and not live under the Jewish law. But we also see that they had drifted. Verses 12 to 16. In verse 12 he states that you did me no wrong. And, and Paul is now looking back to when they first met. And these are warm memories for him. And Paul remembers that he came to them at a time when he was ill. We can only guess what that illness might have been. The gospel was preached to them in perhaps greater weakness than normal. Many would have been tempted to have rejected the message. The usual pagan response would have been to spit at the messenger who was ill, to ward off that illness and to send the messenger pack him. Yet instead they welcomed him as if he were an angel of God, as if he were Jesus Christ himself. Verse 14. Remember that Paul was presenting the message of salvation through Christ being crucified. 3 verse 1. It was a message of hope through suffering. By accepting Paul, this was evidence that they not only believed the message, but also that Christian character had already started to be formed in them. You see, God was at work in them. And Paul gives more evidence of this in verse 15. They were willing to do anything to help, even tearing out their eyes and giving them to Paul. Such was their love for him and their acceptance of the gospel that he brought. But now things have changed. All is not well. They have withdrawn themselves from him and are now rejecting his message. They seem to have no love for Paul anymore. And Paul has to ask them if he now has become an enemy simply for preaching the truth. And it was right for Paul to challenge these readers and to show them that all is not well. After all, if you saw children playing, bleach, playing with bleach, what would you do? You would do everything in your power to stop them. Well, these readers need to be challenged and corrected on how they are to live in light of the gospel. So do you, and so do I. You see, drifting and backsliding can happen so easily. This is how the hymn writer and poet William Cowper put, put it. Where is the blessedness I knew when I first saw the Lord? Where is the soul-refreshing view of Jesus and his word? We can be just like the Galatian churches, starting well, but slipping as time goes by. Surely highlighting that things have drifted it is the most loving thing to do. See, I know that for myself I can become hardened and entrenched in my sinful ways. And I need someone to draw alongside me and speak boldly to me at times, and to challenge me. And when your sisters and brothers plead with you, listen to them. Recognise their love in their words. As Proverbs 27 verse 6 puts it, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. The point being is that you would rather have the wounds of a friend 
than the flattery of an enemy. When those who have been such a blessing to you in the past then say words to you that are uncomfortable, listen to them. Accept that they have your best interests at heart. When Chola or others in the fellowship urge you to change, do not make them your enemy. Do not reject them. Do not turn away from them. Rather, see that they are trying to help you to grow in Christ. They only have your best interests at heart. Now, maybe as Christians, we can hesitate in saying, be like me, as the Apostle Paul did. Either you're aware of your many faults, or you can think that this sounds, well, rather self-important. Yet, if you're following Christ and are being changed by him, then it is right to call others to follow Christ or to, to, to call them back to him. You are to be an example to others. While the workplace attitude of managers might be, well, do as I say, not do as I do. However, that attitude has no place within God's people. You are to live out the very freedom and blessing that you preach. See, these verses, they also call us to examine our heart. Are you drifting at present? Where is the love and joy that you once had? Has your heart wandered from the God you love? Look afresh to Christ. Don't turn against those who are seeking to help you. Maybe you are being pulled back to the world. Or do not distance yourself from Christ's people, from the church. You need them. For all their failings, they love you. And they want you to know Christ and to grow in him. But not only do we see here that he sees that not all is well, we also see in these verses his goal as he pursues this pastoral love. The goal is, of course, they, that they would reflect Christ. And we see this in verses 17 to 20. Now, as a child, I, I used to love playing spot the difference. You know, you had two pictures and you spent ages trying to find the small differences. Well, here in these verses, the differences between these false teachers and Paul may not be clear to see on the surface. However, when you examine their motives, the differences become like night and day. And Paul wants his readers to spot the difference between these people who are leading them astray and those to whom they are now counting as their enemies, who are actually wanting them to be complete in Christ. In verse 17 then, we see that these false teachers, they work hard for these churches. They're full of zeal and enthusiasm, but it's for no good purpose. Their zeal is misdirected. They want to win them over so that these believers can be alienated from Christ's people. They want these believers to make much of them, to give them praise and honour. These teachers are in it for the glory. They do not truly care for the church. 
by stark contrast, we see that Paul has no interest in receiving praise and glory. So what does Paul want? Well, look at verse 19. He sees himself like a woman who is giving birth again. He is in agony as he labours for them. Now remember, of course, that childbirth was even more dangerous and painful in those days than it is today. And so he says to them that, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth. In those early years, Paul would have invested heavily in them and it cost him much. He laboured hard for them to understand the gospel and to know Christ for themselves. He prayed for them, he wept for them and he had the joy of seeing them come to faith. But now it seems as if it was all for nothing. He states in verse 11 that he fears for them, that somehow he has wasted his efforts on them. It's as if he's back to the beginning again. Now we all know what it's like to have wasted our efforts on our numerous plans for 2020. Well, how much more painful it is when that potential loss includes your efforts and your fears and your concern for those whom you love deeply and they seem to be nowhere but for Paul he willingly endures this pain again for this is nothing this pain is nothing compared to the joy of seeing Christ formed in them Paul is not content for them to rest in their previous profession of faith he wants to see Christ formed in them he wants to see them he wants to see Christ's character displayed in their lives rather than Adam's rebellion. He wants to see the Spirit's fruit in their lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And Paul will not rest until he sees evidence of Christian maturity in their lives. He is labouring to see those that, that fruit of the Spirit so clearly seen in their lives. And he prays to that end and he labours to that end and he will not stop labouring until he sees them grow and go on to maturity. And at the moment, of course, there are many who are longing to get back into our church buildings, perhaps even this week. And yet, what is more important? It is growing in Christ-likeness. That is the most important thing for the Christian. Growing to be more like Christ. Are you excited for that? Are you excited to be more like Jesus? Are you praying to that end for yourself and for others? We should be delighted to see Christ being formed in ourselves and others as the Spirit works through us, as the Spirit enables us and changes us. And you see Paul's example here is a huge challenge to us as the Lord's people. We've got to ask ourselves, do we love one another? You see, love isn't that warm, sentimental feeling when we remember others, that kind of nice, warm, fluffy glow. Very often love is full of pain 
and you see love responds to where people are, not where you had hoped they would be or should be. Love is anchored in the real world, fighting the real problems that real people face. It is not giving up on others when they disappoint you or hurt you. This relentless pastoral care, it will be a struggle. It will hurt. It will be painful. And there will be times when you are perplexed, like Paul was, and you wonder, what more can you do? You see that they're drifting, and it's just completely out of your hands. And you weep, and you agonize over it. But you see, love, pastoral love, will not give up on people. You will keep laboring to help others grow, and indeed to ensure that you are growing as well. Does Paul's relationship with this church describe or in any way reflect your relationship to your brothers and sisters? It should. Paul later on will, will, will be to say that we're to use our freedom not to indulge the flesh, but rather to serve one another humbly in love. And we are to ask God to, to change us and to change those around us. Oh, let us look to the Lord Jesus Christ who suffered for us that we may be given the strength to continue. Maybe you are not yet trusting in Christ. We'll see what Christ has done. Galatians 3.13 states that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. He died a cursed death so that you can be free from the grip of sin. He died so that you can live knowing the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. No wonder these believers accepted the messenger with almost as much love as the Saviour himself as accepting him. You see, Christ brings new life, certain hope and lasting change. Only Christ by the Spirit can make truly loving communities. And only Christ by the Spirit can truly change you. Do not think that you have to pull your, your socks up, as it were, and try a bit harder and to stir this, this love up in yourself. Friends, we've got to start at the cross because it's when we know Jesus Christ for ourselves, only then, can we start truly loving others as you have been loved? Friends, if you have never put your trust in Christ, then I plead with you to put your hope in him before it is too late. And so we've seen throughout these verses that pastoral love relentlessly pursues growth in Christ. He showed them that all was not well and that they had completely drifted. And we need to look out for those signs in ourselves and in others. We've also seen that his goal is to be our goal. That is, that others would reflect Christ, would have Christ formed in them. And we are relentlessly to pursue growth in others 
so that they grow in Christ and become mature. And so, as we close, let me tell you about George. George was an elder in my home church. Though he was advanced in years and his health was failing, you know, he never stopped showing genuine care for others. He would often phone people up to see how they were. Once they had shared a little of their life, he then probed deeper to see how their spiritual life was. Like a doctor, he would seek to understand their struggles and he would always point to the solution. I'm not saying he, he had the, the answer to every problem in life. But you see, at the most basic level, he knew that people needed to keep hearing the gospel. And that was their ultimate need. And so he kept pointing them back to Christ again and again. Now, as a teenager, I always wanted to hide from him because I knew that he would end up challenging me over my continued rejection of Christ. But as I look back over his love to me all those years, there's one thing I could never deny, and that is he truly loved me. Friends, let us not spiritually social distance. Rather, let us relentlessly pursue growth in Christ. Let us pray. Father, we want to thank you for all that we've seen from your word. We thank you for your great love that you have lavished upon us. And we want to thank you that people have shown great love to us in pursuing us, in praying for us, in weeping over us. Father, thank you for them. And help us, Father, to pray for others, to reach out and to pursue maturity in others. Help us, Father, to be the people you want us to be. Work in us by your Spirit, we ask. Father, we pray for those who do not know you at this time. Father, we ask that they would see that only in Jesus is their lasting hope, true forgiveness and true love. And we pray that they'll experience this for themselves. And help us, your people, to, the, to be the people you want us to be. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.